Hello and welcome to the Tech Buzzword of the Week from Woodies.com, the online IT encyclopedia and learning center. I'm Alex Howard, assistant editor at Woodies.com. The subject of today's podcast is software as a service, commonly referred to by its acronym SAAS or SAS. This podcast is the second in a two-part series in which I interview two industry experts about SAS. Today's interview is with Jeff Kaplan, managing director and founder of Think Strategies. Jeff has been an analyst at IDC, DataQuest, and MetaGroup, a corporate executive, strategic consultant, and software industry speaker. He has over 20 years of experience in IT management, managed services, utility computing. Jeff was recently named to the advisory board of IDG World Expo SASCon, which is a business-to-business conference focused on SAS held in late September of this year. He recently wrote a column about the myths of SAS for Business Week Online. Jeff was kind enough to sit down with me for this interview last week to talk about what SAS is and the challenges and opportunities it presents for enterprises and small businesses alike. Here's the interview. Oh, hi, Jeff. Well, thanks for talking with whatis.com this afternoon. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you. A uh, recent survey by searchco.com found that most CIOs still don't know what software as a service, or SAS, is. We define it as a software distribution model in which applications are hosted by a vendor or a service provider and made available to customers over a network, typically the internet. Is that about right? What else should a CIO or business owner know about SaaS to be able to discuss it with their IT folks and executives? Well, uh, a couple more things. I think you've got the first part right. I think there's another component to it, which is also very important, which is that as a part of the software as a service offering, uh, first of all, the uh, services provided on a subscription pricing basis, a pay-as-you-go basis. And what it also does is it eliminates the um, cost of the uh, infrastructure support that goes along with it. So for a user organization, they get the best of all worlds. They get the opportunity to take advantage of a software application without the hassles of having to install it themselves um, and the uh, systems that uh, support it and um, without the hassles of having to provide their own technical support to keep it up and running. It seems like there's a lot of confusion out there, is the best way to put it, between what SaaS is versus what ASPs are. Yeah, let me uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, The ASP model is, in fact, the precursor to SaaS. Um, The application service providers of the dot-com era did a terrific job of evangelizing the uh, business benefits of uh, having organizations um, use a third party to deliver their software requirements. But uh, at the time, there were a couple of things that got in the way of the model. Number one, the application service providers were simply reselling uh, existing software packages and, in fact, simply hosting those um, software packages, which really weren't intended to be distributed via the net and didn't uh, offer any additional functionality or ease of use uh, when it came to um, their day-to-day um, u- utilization. Well, the, the second issue facing the ASPs was the fact that they had to withstand the financial burdens of building out um, significant server farms and data centers, as well as showplace operation centers to convince customers that they could deliver on their promises. And that meant a a tremendous upfront cost when it came to the capital expenditures associated with building out those data centers. And 
back then the economy was going so well, a lot of customers decided, you know, uh, IT is still something of a competitive advantage for us. I'm not sure if we want to be um, uh, outsourcing this stuff, and we're certainly not uh, confident we could do so with these untested ASPs that are out there. The ASPs ended up um, dying on the vine because they couldn't withstand the financial burdens of their um, costly operation centers. So what has changed today is a couple of things. Number one, the nature of the technology itself that these SaaS providers are utilizing to deliver their services is far less expensive. They're using open source architectures. They're using open systems and Linux um, uh, boxes, which are uh, priced much more uh, cost effectively. Uh, they don't necessarily have to convince customers any longer that they have showplace operation centers from which they're operating their applications. And in fact, the applications themselves have been architected in a multi-tenant fashion as opposed to a um, single-tenant architecture, which makes them not only more flexible, but much more scalable. And then the most important thing in all of this is that the um, economy has changed, and customers are now at a variety of ways that they can reduce their day-to-day costs while improving the return on their investments. And therefore, they're looking at third-party services uh, when they weren't back in the dot-com era. So those are some of the significant differences between the ASP model of uh, of that period and the uh, SaaS model today. You know, I, I, I thought about that last aspect too. What else has changed? It seems like a, a lot of people have uh, high-speed internet access now too. That's a very good point. Yeah, broadband uh, connectivity has certainly helped to make this more uh, feasible and more viable an alternative. And the ubiquitous nature of that access, not only within the desktop environment, but um, also in the mobile environment, makes a lot of the SaaS applications that much more available and much more functional in ways in which it was never conceived in the past. Well, I uh, I checked into this past week's events, and the reason one of the reasons SaaS is really popping up in the news in our buzzword index right now is because of SaaScon. Not yeah. too shocking. And uh, I read a couple transcripts. One of the ones was a, a keynote from Oracle's Tim Chu. Yep, and or he, formerly of Oracle. Okay, I, I should <laughs> make the distinction. And he asserted that SaaS is just completely reshaping the basic economics of IT. He said that right now, a lot of IT infrastructure is actually taking up about 75% of a usual IT department's budget right now, just in maintenance. And that what SaaS allows organizations to do is to really move away from maintenance to investment. And that the opportunity is, is at right now moving from a vendor-centric universe to a user-centric universe. Well, there's no question that this model is being driven more by customers than the previous ASP model, which was being pushed by vendors. Uh, now, there certainly is, as you indicated in your original question, uh, a lot of education that the vendors themselves still have to do uh, to the vast um, majority of enterprise decision makers who are out there uh, who are still trying to catch up on um, the SaaS movement. But um, once they start hearing about the business benefits that are associated with this, uh, it's less um, of an argument than it was in the past because what these customers are easily recognizing is, as you suggested, there's not only an elimination of the upfront costs and the hassles of deployment, but there's also a significant reduction in the ongoing expense of software maintenance and administration. And more importantly, there's an opportunity to capitalize on 
new functionality within these applications so that organizations can be much more productive and, in fact, can um, create more collaborative environments to generate more innovative initiatives within their, their businesses. I've been hearing and, and reading mostly uh, from different vendors uh, of SaaS that the efficiencies and cost savings that they can ascribe to it, uh, to the deployment of SaaS, are, are pretty much directly related to the ROI that you can get from it. Um, well, not but, only ROI, but yeah. reduced total cost of ownership as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, both. And the key, though, that I'm here, I've read from the other side, from the CIO side, is that the reality of implementations and satisfaction with SaaS is very different from what the vendors are claiming. I know that's nothing new in the IT industry. The biggest hitch point seems to be tying in SaaS with organizations that have significant legacy applications. Well, there's no question that that represents a challenge, but by no means is it the barrier that it used to be. And in fact, uh, Think Strategies has done its own research in this area, and we did a survey now a year old that found some pretty surprising results. We surveyed in conjunction with the Cutter Consortium, over 100 IT professionals from around the world. And even a year ago, a third of them were already adopting some form of SaaS. Another third were considering to do so. And of of that number, about 90% expected to adopt a form of SaaS by the end of 2006. But getting back to that original third who were already using SaaS, 90% of those folks were not only satisfied with the results they gained from SaaS, but intended to buy more of it and were ready to refer and recommend others do the same. So that's a pretty strong endorsement. In fact, we've seen this year um, an increase in the number of public success stories, customer success stories, and endorsements of SaaS uh, from a surprising number of Fortune 1000 brand name companies. And those endorsements are, are now adding um, more validity to this model and, and helping to strengthen its um, viability in the eyes of many customers. And we think it's going to help to accelerate the adoption process. And to a certain extent, it's going to help um, other companies understand where the possible uh, pitfalls and, and uh, obstacles of success might be. So. Uh, while there are certainly some challenges, um, there are a lot of customers who are also uh, generating uh, significant business benefits from SaaS as well. It certainly seems like something that's evolving very quickly. Yes. And, and uh, it, I know that's also impacting all the traditional software models, especially those uh, for packaged software. In terms of, of web-enabled software, there's plenty of discussion between different analysts about what the impact of Google Office versus Microsoft Office is going to be. But for other players who who create specialized applications, do you think that they're going to have to start offering hybrid models well, to be able yeah. to meet the need? Yeah, I apologize. Yes, um, uh, absolutely. There is going to be um, a movement of nearly every established ISV towards a SaaS um, model. And in most cases, they will end up with a hybrid portfolio. It will be difficult for them to make that transition, even if it is a balancing act uh, between their legacy applications and um, new forms of SaaS solutions. Uh, the reason being threefold. Number one, the SaaS solutions of today, uh, in order for them to really be effective, have to fully um, leverage the benefits of the web. And that means um, being architected with um, uh, new forms of um, AJAX and XML-type uh, code that's not resonant in a lot of legacy applications. 
Number two, the sales model is entirely different when it comes to selling these kinds of services in a direct fashion, primarily via the web, as opposed to um, very channel-oriented solutions in the past and within the legacy environment. And number three uh, is the revenue model. That is, uh, as we started talking about at the very beginning when we defined the space, uh, we're now talking about a pay-as-you-go model as opposed to an upfront perpetual license model. All three of those uh, are really wreaking havoc on the uh, legacy ISVs, um, especially the publicly traded companies who have to um, make some significant changes to the way in which they operate in order to accommodate the SaaS um, way of doing business. The trick seems to be able to, to constantly manage the relationship between the software vendor and the actual organization in question. And it seems like in the past, a lot of packaged software uh, providers actually would, would kind of give an application and then leave it up to the folks they've sold it to to actually determine how to integrate it, how to use it, how to be trained, uh, any ongoing issues. Whereas now, uh, Salesforce.com, for instance, has an everyday relationship with its customers. A very uh, good point. Yeah, it is a fundamental change in the way in which these software companies are doing business. Um, it's not only Salesforce, although they're setting the standard for a lot of other companies, but uh, any company that um, is, in a sense, a net native firm uh, that has been born part of this SaaS movement uh, recognizes that in the subscription model approach that they've adopted, it requires them to pay more close attention to their customers, in fact, be more proactive with the customer to encourage them to get the full benefits of their applications, or else uh, it's uh, relatively easy for that customer to pull the plug on that subscription service as opposed to those who had paid um, enormous upfront perpetual license fees for the legacy applications and feel that they need to make the most of them in order to pay off the, that capital expense. It's an entirely different way of approaching the vendor-customer relationship, as you indicated. Well, it, and it's interesting too. I mean, to hear about that—the fact that it's changing very quickly—that software companies are adjusting to this model that's out there, and to realize that a lot of CIOs, who you assume are the, the most educated around in terms of the various trends that are going on, and yet SaaS actually has been around for a while. The oldest one would be what ADP, the world's largest payroll. Well, of and, course, you know, they have never really referred themselves as a SaaS company, but mm -hmm. the way in which they operate is very reminiscent of what we're seeing today. Uh, if you want to go back even further, uh, this is akin to the facilities management and time-sharing models of the 60s and 70s. So this is the latest iteration in a long history of shared services, which, of course, also includes the ASPs and the dot-com era. What we see differently about it, though, is that um, in this case, we're talking about a, a rapidly growing array of very robust and easy to use, uh, almost intuitive um, in their um, design, uh, software applications that have really been built to capitalize on all the best attributes of the web and to satisfy this new on-demand culture that we live in, within. And that's another important uh, driver in all of this, by the way. The fact that so, so many of us have gotten used to and gotten comfortable with on-demand services in our personal lives, in our consumer lives, from everything from Amazon.com and Apple um, iPods to YouTube now and on-demand videos. 
And that same kind of uh, attitude is now permeating the business world in which, um, you know, for instance, many of us take advantage of IM, you know, instant messaging. Well, in the same way, we're interested in taking advantage of um, instant or on-demand applications that can rid us of the burdens of having to administer them so we can get the full benefit of using them. It can be quite tricky. Today, I'm actually, I am using Skype to call and, and record. It turned out to be the easiest thing to do. Good. But it does take time to set up and administer this stuff uh, and to actually make sure all the applications are, are, are working together because there's a, a, a lot of different things that have to go right to get the call to work that you don't even think about most of the time. And I, I know that, for this, for instance, uh, all the sales professionals that use Salesforce.com, they just want to log on using, on many cases now, their smartphone, uh, maybe on a broadband wireless network, and have it just work. And I, I think that, that can, that's, a, that's just a huge shift in terms of the expectations that, that used to be there. Um, yes, and I, and I think, by the way, uh, it, it would be a disservice to many of our listeners um, if we were to suggest that every one of the software as a service offerings is truly on demand in a point and click and, and, and go kind of fashion. In fact, even Salesforce.com, which again is the most popular um, and most well recognized of software applications now, uh, requires, depending upon the level of use, um, you know, a certain amount of setup time in order to get it to work properly. And there are many other quote-unquote on-demand software applications that are out there which could require weeks or months still to get up and running because they involve complicated enterprise-wide applications and deployments. But they're still far better and far easier and have a far quicker time to value than the legacy applications that we've put up with for so many years. Just to quickly back off just a second on that count, you mentioned a number of things about uh, legacy enterprise applications and the huge challenges of, of large organizations to deal with infrastructure. But for small folks, the small, medium business sizes, or even the single entrepreneurs that are out there, is this kind of offering something they can really tap into as well and get considerably more returns on their investment because of all the save time they're not having to deal with on the back end? Well, yeah. It, more than that, it, it gives them access to certain kinds of applications they never had the privilege of using in the past because they couldn't afford that luxury. So, uh, for instance, there are now uh, suites available to them in um, the ERP space or the human resource management area or supply chain application um, category that have a lot of the same functionality that large-scale enterprises have utilized in the past, but small and mid-sized businesses could never afford. Um, and that's one of the beauties as well of the software-as-a-service movement. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for the half an hour you were able to give me. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I, it was the, a pleasure the, talking the, with you. Thanks for uh, giving me a holler. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. That concludes this very short series on Software as a Service. If you have more questions about Software as a Service or other web-enabled applications, please visit whatis.com or sister sites, search CIO, search CRM, or search webservices.com. Thanks for listening.